Well, you know, or you, maybe you didn't know, uh, I, had, I was in a film that was in the Wisconsin Film Festival, and uh, this guy, Mark Kornblatt, yes, yeah, so you got it there? I got it. I have 300 copies of that, if you need any. Uh, it was a, made a movie uh, about the last days of the uh, Titanic. Just we were setting out from port. Uh, right, uh, it was a great trip right until the iceberg. No. It wasn't like that at all. It's called what, uh, what Do You Do Now? Uh, the story of Mike Feldman, a man who stayed at his job too long and didn't realize it. But, uh, and it was, it was great and it was nice. And I had my, actually my, da my daughter, uh, what's her name, Nora, <laughs> was sitting next to me and she was holding my hand. So every time something good happened on screen, she squeezed it so I knew it was, it was something was good. You know, so that, was, that got me through it and, it. and it was quite good. And then afterwards we had a little after party and there was some disco dancing, which I don't really disco dance much anymore due to my discs. And, uh, but and I met all kinds of people who had been on the show when they were kids, including one, uh, his name is, who made one of the films that was shown. We did these four short films from Wisconsin. I was one of them. And then there was this other one called Silently Steal Away, which was about the Jack Raymond show. I don't know if you remember that show. Years ago, this guy had this amazing voice, did this show, Jack Raymond, and played all kinds of unusual songs and stuff. And he was like an icon. And he did a movie about it, and his, his, the man who did it, Andrew, Andrew Swant, uh, and I saw him after the, uh, in, at the after party, and he said, you know, when I was 10 years old, I came on the What Do You Know show, and you talked to me, and he said, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I said, filmmaker. Huh? The What Do You Know influence? <laughs> I have made filmmakers, ladies and gentlemen. Anyway, that, was, that was really a nice moment. Well. What do you know? And now, live from Madison, Wisconsin's High Noon Saloon, cold beer, hot music, nothing wrong with that, it's Michael Feldman's What Do You Know? On today's show, the fish chopping champion of Fish Creek, Elaine Johnson, joins us with her stories from fish yesteryear. Shopping? Did you say shopping? Fish chopping. Oh. <laughs> to my right is John Tulane, keyboards and offhand shopping. remarks. By his side, that stand-up guy on stand-up bass, Jeff Hammond. Straight ahead, so to speak, Lyle Anderson, Carol Unner, and phone answer, and myself. Most definitely, Stephanie Lee. And now, the man who was not ready for his close-up in the film What Do You Do Now, but his dog was, yeah. Michael Feldman. My dog stole the film. Thank you. That was, a, that was applause like after someone shows you a slideshow of their vacation. Elaine Johnson was on a, a show with us in Door County some years ago, and uh, she was great. She's hilarious, actually, and outspoken. And um, then she wrote a book. She wrote, I don't know if she wrote this book recently or not. There's no date on it or anything like that. She must have printed it herself as well. And uh, so I started getting phone calls from her, and it, it sounded sort of like this. Like this. Thursday, 5.26 p.m. Hello, Mike. Okay. 
Thank you. Bye-bye. Friday, 9.02 a.m. Mike, this is Elaine. Uh, what I'm calling about, uh, I sent that book I had written uh, because we had so much fun in Fish Creek at Bailey. Uh, I had your program there. Uh, so I, I wrote this book and I sent one to you and uh, I really like your, comp- your complaints, I think would be the right word about it. <laughs> and, uh, if you'd give me a call and tell me what you really think. And uh, so if you get time and you're not out there, like, why uh, give me a call? And I suppose your girls are getting big enough here, so you're carrying a shotgun on your shoulder now. <laughs> All right, Mike. Yeah, call me if you can. All right, thank you. Carrying a shotgun on my shoulder. Uh, Elaine Johnson. Elaine, are you there? Well, I'm half here, so yeah. You take the better half if you can. Yeah. Where's the other half? It's hard to say. I haven't found it yet. <laughs> How are you? Oh, I'm. I'm. I'll tell you what. Go ahead. You get to be. I just turned 92 yesterday. Oh, congratulations! But, Happy you, birthday, Elaine. But you know, what? when you get my age and you see these people like me with gray hair, you just think, uh, they're all done with with life. That's a bunch of baloney. Yeah. Just because we got a little snow on the roof, don't mean we ain't got fire in the furnace. No. That's a boy. Right. How, how are you? I'm losing. I'm losing my roof entirely. I don't, there's not even any thatch you know, on my roof. That, that's what happens when you got two girls and you're bringing them up. Along <laughs> about sixteen, it, it all starts. Hair falls, you get gray and starts falling out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, curfew. Yeah. Uh, it's tough for you. No, I didn't raise them like that. I, <laughs> I was liberal with them. <laughs> yeah, they were sort of self-restrained. Yeah. Well, you were fairly liberal yourself, you know. I was at one time. Yeah, right. What about, did you have a liberal upbringing yourself? Could you do pretty much as you pleased growing up? Uh, my mom let me do pretty well as uh, I pleased, except I stole a dime out of the cigar box, and <laughs> she was going to put me in reform school, and, but I got them out of that. So other than that, and I left a pretty, you know, life that was not too bad. Yeah. Is that the worst thing you did when you were a kid, was steal a dime out of the cigar box? Well, I thought she was going to put me in reform school for it. Yeah. I cried half the night, and then the next morning they changed their mind, and there never was a reform school in Tekema <laughs> where they were going to send me, lying to a kid like me. <laughs> I Sto- don't know. So stories from yesteryear. Is, did you just write this book, or is this, is this the same book that you had last time we talked? No, I never had a book when you talked. Oh, you didn't? Okay. I thought no. You, you and I just... I think it was Packwood. We had, we just about had him, though. Yeah. 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 No, I just wrote this one. Well, I didn't, you know, started a couple months ago or three or four, and but then I taped it because I can't write too great. So uh, I just taped it, and then uh, uh, Gail, my, in fact, my niece, mm-hmm. Gail, she took it from the tape and put it into print, and then my other Gail, uh, Sheila, uh, she... Uh, reread it and we together uh, corrected the errors. 
I have uh, macular degeneration, so mm. my right eye is not good. My left eye is still looking, I can tell you that. Still looking. What are you looking at with your left eye? Any good-looking guy that comes along. Okay. <laughs> with, still with thatch on the roof, I presume. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, it's And this is you. I mean, no, there's two of you on here, and you're the short one who looks unhappy to be on the cover here. Well, I'm the short one. Uh, you know, well, I got my mother and uh, was there, and uh, I was eight years old. We lived in Nebraska. I was bred and born up there. Oh. And uh, so, well, of course, Grandma Bergman lived up here, and I got to see her when I was four and then again at eight. And so when we came up here at, when I was eight years old, there's Gretna. She's 10, standing by me. And I'll tell you, my mother said, now, Elaine, she said, you got to play with Gretna. That's all to it. And I thought, that Gretna's so dumb. She don't know what we're doing. I don't want to play with her. So that's how come I got so yeah. mad on that you look, Yeah, you look down, you're downcast yeah. and snarling. Yeah. Well, yeah. And yet you were, you, you were great friends over the years and did businesses oh, together. Oh, yeah, then we, uh, then we grew up and had some sense. And we got in business together, and we were in business. We were together for 67 years. Yeah. And um, So you got over it. I got over it. It took me 50 years, but I got over it. All right, I want some of the stories in the book here. Now let's let's look at some of these. They're taking the girls down to the cave. Oh. Yeah. My brother that. did that, that bugger. Are you ready for this story? I'll try to yeah. make it as short as I no, can. No, take your time. Take my time. Yeah. Well, my brother and two of his buddies dug this cave along the bank, and uh, it was a nice cave. And they, they uh, put two-by-sixes all around the opening and made a heck of a nice door to it. Yeah. And us kids, we were over in this field, over in this uh, kind of a woods, and we'd always play Indian and cowboy. Yeah. Well, they had a door on this dad burn cave, and you could lock it on the inside, and you could lock it on the outside. So sometimes they'd forget to lock the door on, uh, on the outside, so us kids would go down there, us Indians and cowboys would go down there, and they had a stove in there, or a little wow. pipe that went up, you know, built a big fire in that stove, wow. and stole some of their potatoes and onions and lard, and we was flying, frying that stuff up, and here comes <laughs> that goofy brother of mine. Oh, gosh, he was mad. What the heck are you doing in my cave? He said, get the heck out of here. That's not exactly the word no, he used. No, of course, yeah. Get out. You know, no, no swearing today. And uh, get the heck out of here. So us kids got out of there, and, and then, of course, they latched. The, the, there was three boys and three girls. And, uh, of course, I, we didn't, we were not old enough to know about the birds and babies. We knew it wasn't going to look right. So anyway, they kicked us out of there, and um, so when we got out, I thought I'd I'll fool them. I'll just lock the lock, and then they can't get out. So I did lock the lock, but and then I thought I'd put the fire out in the stove too. So I shoved that old gunny sack that was laying up there uh, down the chimney, and then us kids went off to the fairgrounds to play. We used to play a game called sack. We'd put a sack tag, we'd put straw in, a, in an old burlap bag, and then we'd throw it at each other, and yep. whoever it hit was it. And then they had to run after the guy and yep. hit him. Well, we played and played and played, and we forgot about <laughs> Hugh and his girlfriends and boyfriends back in that cave. So we decided, well, we'd go back to the cave and 
See if they were dead or not from the asphyxiation. (laughs) So we went back to the cave and opened that door, and out they came. I tell you, they smelled like smoke purine (laughs) and puking, and their eyes was as red as coals. And my brother said to me, you little goddamn so-and-so. He said, I'm going to lick you until your butt looks so black and blue. And I said, you better not do that. You better not do that. I'm going to tell Mama that you, you, you had them girls down the cave with you. What are you going to do with all them girls down the cave with you? You three boys, you pound them girls up or something, what was you going to do? I'm going to tell Mama about that stuff. Yeah. Well, he said, and he's coughing and puking, <laughs> and his eyes are red, and so are the girls. They're mad as the heck, too. But <laughs> he said, I'm going to tell you what I'll do, Buckshot. If you don't tell Mama about the girls... I won't tell you, Mom, about you locking in the cave while us was in there and printing the smoke and said that. Yeah. I said, it's a deal. It's a deal. And it was a deal. I never told on him, and he he coughed for about a week, but he made it through. <laughs> wow. All right. Yeah. So that's that's taking the girls down the cave. Now, yeah. you were, you were, uh, were a great uh, softball player. Is that right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, softball was your game. Were you a pitcher? I was a pitcher. Yeah. But what is this thing about the uh, softball the size of a grapefruit? What is that? Well, uh, the softball was about like a grapefruit. And we were playing the merchants. My team was playing the merchants. So I took a grapefruit and I kind of dirtied it up and then I painted just like oh, a dirty white, you know, so it looked like a softball. And I, I put the, the stitches in it and everything. And here come Winky Larson. You know, he was a pistol little guy. Winky. And uh, he came up to bat. And, oh, I, I pitched him that grapefruit. He couldn't miss it, you know. It was just beautiful. <laughs> and he hit that on grapefruit so hard I could even feel the juice out on the pitcher's mouth. <laughs> and he ran, he ran down to first base, you know. And I said, you're out, Wink. Oh, no, he said, I'm not out. Where's the ball? Where's the ball? I said, I don't know where the ball is. I don't know where the ball is. So nobody knew where the ball was. And uh, so then he got called safe because we couldn't find the ball. But I knew where the ball was. It was about 40 miles up there circulating around in the the sky someplace. (laughs) It's still, every once in a while, you get a a grapefruit pit that falls on you. (laughs) So So it was a pretty good hit for a grapefruit. It was. Yeah. Yeah, it really was. Were, were there a lot of that kind of shenanigans going on during your games? It sounded like there was some uh, some yeah. play that wasn't strictly legal. What's this? I mean, during your softball games, it sounds like there were some other incidents that weren't strictly legal as far as, as the rules. Well, uh, no, we played pretty good to the rules. It was the boys that broke them. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, I, I'll tell you one thing that happened there. Yeah. And uh, I was on, uh, our team was up to bat. And uh, I was about the sixth batter to come up, and so I went down to first base to coach our runners. And I had that, I had gone ahead and made uh, Boss Hogg, you know, I got a guy that looked like him, and our milkman, he became the deputy, and then I needed a girl, so I went to Johnny Weaver, a commercial fisherman, and I said, Johnny, will you play Miss Tennessee? And he said, oh, sure. His mother put a wig on him, put false eyelashes on him, <laughs> lipstick on, I tell you, she had, he had, can I say boobs? 
Yes, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Johnny's just un- unbelievable. He he could have beat Dolly, and, uh, <laughs> and then that tight sweater, you know, and a short skirt, and the legs. The legs on that boy, I tell you, a woman would give anything for him. Yeah. So yeah, he was out there, and I was down coaching first base, and the guy that was standing by the fence, he said, uh, he said, Lane, would you come over here a minute? So I walked over by the fence, and he said, God, he said, that girl out there, that girl out there, he said, I've never seen anything like it. He said... <laughs> Oh, jeez. He said, I'll tell you what I'll do, Lane. He said, if you can get me with her, he said, get a date for me. He said, I'll give you $10. <laughs> well, I said, I, that, that's not a gal out there. I said, that's a damn fisherman out there. <laughs> Mother's got him all dressed up like that. He's got, that's a wig and everything else. You know, that's a guy. And he looked at him, and he looked at Johnny, and he looked at him. He turned around and said to me, he said, I don't give a damn. I'll still give you five. <laughs> so I walked out to Johnny and told him what the deal was. And he said, no deal. So. No deal. No, he's okay. no deal. Yeah, you know, you've had them, haven't you? I've had a lot of no deals, not quite like that. <laughs> I've heard uh, that. I've heard that. <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah. Uh, what about the, the chariots of the goats? You had chariots. Oh, yeah, we did. Well, sure we did. Uh, everybody had goats. Scott, I was raised on goat milk. Yeah. And I had the, one of the biggest Dan Billy goats yeah. that was in town. Yeah. He, <laughs> he did all the reading except for Nyberg. i got to tell you that one. We were all sitting under this big tree in, in Nebraska, and it was hot, you know, and so we were sitting around that tree and talking and bragging about our goats. We all had nanny goats, and that's all I drank was goat milk. And, we even butchered the, the, the ones that were males and that trimming them up, and we'd eat them up. But anyway, so five, six of us that was just old enough to know about birds and bees, and here come this pulley nightbird. And uh, so he came up by us, and, and uh, we said, well, pulley, you you got a pretty nice nanny goat there, too. He said, that guy, he said, Who's going to breed your? Who is going to breed your nanny this year, Pulley? And Pulley said, "I don't really know who is going to breed that nanny goat, but he said I, I think my dad will." <laughs> and uh, first we all laughed and rolled around in the grass, and he said, "I don't know what you're, what you're laughing about." And Dora said, "Well, we don't mean to laugh. You, you think your dad would breed my nanny goat for me?" No, he said, "You were laughing too much." And I'm going home, and I'm not going to say goodbye to you guys. So he left. <laughs> and <laughs> we all laughed about that for a long time. Anyway, yeah. back to our chariots. Are you ready for this one? Yes, the chariots. Yeah. Uh, now, I was raised with uh, Daryl Johnson and his brother Merle. Uh-huh. And there were no girls to play with, so of course I played with them two boys, and they kind of made a tomboy out of me. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, but their dad, I tell you, he spent more time with us guys. And he built a couple of carts, and they had, uh, I think Daryl had wagon. I mean, we both had wagon wheels on our chariots. But he painted them, you know, and he did the best to, that he could do to make designs on the side. But they weren't too good, I don't think. And then we got our goats, and I had that big billy. And, uh, and he had a... Uh, a deal around their necks that he could 
hooked to the cart and up to uh, this halter or whatever it was. And, and uh, of course, that's how they pulled them. And then we had lines back to the old billy goats and nanny goats. And uh, sometimes them goats would stop and not goats, not go. But my billy goat, he was terrible. And I'd get it, he'd stop and I'd get out and I'd grab his whiskers and shake his head until his eyeballs rolled around. But all the time he was doing that, I was getting, well, they all pee on their whiskers, you know. So I'd get my hands all wet and wipe it on my pants and pretty soon you couldn't tell me from a goat. But anyway, <laughs> we had these doggone chariots and we just not didn't have a bridle, had a halter on, halter on them. And, uh, so uh, there was a, a show down at the grandstand where the cowboys and the stallions they had up in, in the fairgrounds and big long barn and opened on both ends. And uh, so we thought we'd show them cowboys just what goats could do. So we took our two chariots down there and Merle, he's a little guy, his dad made him a beautiful little saddle. So he sat there in that little black saddle and here we all three came into that barn and we got about halfway through it, and them goats, uh, them cowboys, got a smell of them goats. And I tell you, there was birds flying, and they they was kicking in the hall and the stalls, and they pulling them birds loose. And it, it was, I tell you, it was a complete hell. Them them cowboys said, "Get the hell out of here! Get the hell out of here with them goats! Go on, get out of here!" So we took them goats, and them goats knew he was in trouble. So. They ran to the other end of that building and out the door we went and down towards the park we went and found an old grandstand that they used to play baseball on. And we, we got under there with our goats and there was a still a water faucet under there. So Darrell took off his cap and fed the goats water. We stayed under there until it got dark. But that whole thing was even written up in the paper. <laughs> and how them kids got into that barn and all them wild uh, horses and stallions, how they ripped everything all the the thing boards apart and how they kicked everything to pieces. We didn't go down there anymore. No, chariots of the goats. Yeah. What? Now, maybe I read this wrong, but did you at one point in your history moon the fish guy? Yeah, I did. You did. Should I tell you that story? Yeah, yeah I'm sort of curious as to why oh that my would God. have happened. You're not. You sure you're not too young for this story? I'm pretty sure. I'm almost positive. Okay. This is what happened. Okay. We we first pulled our trailer house. We went through Denver, and there was a trailer house there, pretty cheap. So we bought it, and uh, then we pulled it up here to Wisconsin, and we was living in it. And uh, it's got Reuben, our uncle, who became like a father to us, very dear to us. He'd come out and eat supper with us, and, which was fine. But then it got pretty crowded, so then we decided we'd have supper and live in Reuben's house. And we'd have, I fixed up the upstairs so we had a place to sleep. And uh, so anyway, he was going to go up to Bayfield to go deer hunting. So while he was gone, Gretna thought she would scrub down the walls and everything. And I said, you know, getting in that bathroom, I always looks such a damn mess. I said, I think I'll work in that bathroom and, you know, put Congo wall on there or do something with it. And uh, the, it was kind of a, day, a nice day, 
but the wind was blowing. And then uh, it was too nice to have the door really closed, but we had a, uh, oh, a yellow plastic uh, tablecloth, a uh, piece of plastic over the screen door. So it was yellow. And so I, I tacked that on the screen door, and that's what we had. Well, Gretna was busy scrubbing, and I had that, I had a triangle in there, and I had blue, and I had, uh, I, that damn wall, that thing was so small. Actually, this is the truth. You could sit on the stool, put your feet in the bathtub, and wash your hands in the lavatory. That's how small that bathtub was. <laughs> it, it was a quarter. So anyway, I was in there working away, and then I had a pee. So, God, I didn't want to throw everything out of there. And I thought just Gretchen and I were the only ones there, and Ruben's off in Bayfield. I'm not going to take all this stuff out. So I didn't take it out, and I got on the stool, and I got here opens that doggone screen door, and there stands uh, Clyde Oaks, fisherman. And he looks at me, and I look at him sitting on the stool, and I, instead of shutting the door, he, he was, I don't know what he was, he must have been in some kind of a trance. And uh, he just stood there, and uh, he said, Lane, he said, you want to buy some fish today? Well, I said, yeah, yeah, I need some fish, Clyde, and I'm still sitting on the stool. And he said, well, I said, are they in pretty good shape? Oh, yeah, he, he said, they're, they're in good shape. Well, I said, how many pounds you got? Well, he said, uh, 89 pounds. I said, well, okay, Clyde, uh, you want to take them out to the fish yet? You were, yeah, he said, I, I, I guess I could do that. So I thought, God, I can't keep sitting on this damn uh, stool. So I stood up, and I, what could I do? I couldn't, you know. So I had, I was facing him, so I gave him a damn good look at my belly button and everything else. And I thought, I can't do that. So I turned around to get my my jeans, a hold of my jeans and pulled them up, so I had to bend over. But that, I was the first one in Dora, North and Dora County to, to, to really moon, in, moon anybody, so. Yeah. Yeah, the story got around. Yeah, it got around. From him, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're, you're a wonderful woman. Oh, I wouldn't say that. I would say you are the best and always oh, funny. And now you're, you're just trying to get me to, to think that's wonderful and I'm in charge of space. No, I'm, I have no ulterior motives at all. I, do, I will tell you one thing. You sent me a book and you spelled my, it was to Mike Feelman. Oh, F- did I make a mistake? Yeah, Feel, F-E-E-L, man. Uh, well... So next I time, I want you to get the name From right. some of the girls, I've heard that's how it was. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Elaine. It's nice to talk with you. Yeah. Well, let's do it again sometime when you want to know something that I don't know. Okay. All right. That'd be perfect. Stories from yesteryear, Elaine Johnson. Thank you so much, Elaine. All right. All right. Take care, dear. Love you. You got to love Elaine Johnson. She tells it like it is and was. And will be. Okay there. Okay. How there. are you? I'm good. Have you got stories like that from Platteville? Oh, Platteville? no, nothing like that. Not quite as... Uh, no, nothing you didn't as have a risque as that. And Jeff? Yes. How are you? Good. Okay, this <laughs> tune here 
that you've been here. thinking about all this time? Is it the one you were practicing earlier? Well, or? it's one of them, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, uh, Which one is it? This is the Cole Porter tune. Don't put that on my speaker there. Oh. Uh, it's called Dream Dancing. Dream Dancing, Cole Porter. Not, not smile or dream, but yeah. dream dancing. Dream dancing. Ready for this, Jeff?
podcast is produced, hosted, and no one else to blame by Michael Feldman, made possible by Kickstarter and the best audience a guy ever had, and depends in large measure on John Tuline, Jeff Hammond, Aubrey Ralph, Lyle Anderson, Dylan Brogan, Sheila Shigley, and yours, most definitely, Stephanie Lee. Watch us grind our sausage live on YouTube at youtube.com slash user slash whatiatube, and enjoy the finished salami on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. Follow us on Facebook for news, videos, and you never know what. Mine a mother load of What Do You Know nuggets at whatdoyouknow.net. Follow Michael on Twitter where his nom de screen is at myfeldman. And if you'd like to support What Do You Know, look for us on patreon.com, where for as little as $3, you can make Michael break into song. Or consider becoming an on-air sponsor to promote your goods, your services, or yourself. Over 60,000 What Do You Know downloads and growing. Lots of downloads, but I think it's one guy doing it. Oh well, it's the downloads that count. Thank you for coming here to the High Noon Saloon. Glad you made it. Feel free to come here anytime you want, but while we're here, it's an excellent time to do it. Thanks for listening, watching us there on YouTube, and talk to you again real soon. John and Jeff, ladies and gentlemen. Stephanie Lee.